You're listening to the Group Practice Exchange Podcast, a podcast for psychotherapy group practice owners where you learn the business side of running a group practice. I'm your host, Maureen Werbach. This episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes is a practice management and EHR software that helps behavioral health professionals manage their practice with confidence and efficiency. I've been using Therapy Notes in my own group practice for about five or six years now, and they're hands down amazing. They've got a scheduling and to-do list that is so easy to look at, a notes template that is amazing and exactly what you need, billing that has accurate reports that you can use, credit card processing system, a client portal that's constantly being updated, security, and tech support that is amazing. You can call and actually talk to someone right away. If you're looking for an EHR that can give you everything you need to run your group practice smoothly, try Therapy Notes out by going to www.therapynotes.com forward slash the group practice exchange and you'll get two free months to try them out. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Group Practice Exchange podcast. This time I've got Alyssa Adams with me, who's going to be talking about how to add coaching into your group practice. I'm really excited about this one. I know a lot of you have been asking questions about how to do this in an ethical way. So I'm excited to have Alyssa on and to talk about best practices for doing this and what that what that looks like. So hi Alyssa, how are you? Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I'm doing great. Um, tell us a little bit about you and um, what your practice is like and what you know about coaching and why this is the topic that you're talking about today. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm a clinical psychologist by training, so trained as a therapist. Um, and then I uh, went back to um, get my training in coaching. Um, so I was just super interested in you know, how do we create transformation as a coach as well. Um, so what I do with folks right now is I help um, therapists really in, who are at two points in their business. One is that they want to grow their practice and get more people in the door. And then the other spot is to who want to really diversify um, and add in coaching to their group practice or who want to add on coaching to their practice themselves. So like kind of the edge of how do you do that and what um, what works. That's awesome. So... I think one of the biggest questions that people have when it comes to let's it, it I guess for my listeners it's going to be adding on coaches. There might be some group practice owners who are thinking about adding coaching themselves as like to become a coach, but mm-hmm. I'll say probably ninety percent um, are if they're thinking about coaching, they're thinking about adding someone as a coach um, just because we end up working a little bit less on the clinical side as a group practice owner with having to manage the business. Mm-hmm. So. Tell us a little bit about what are the some of the things that we should be thinking about if we're if if I'm a group practice owner who's thinking about adding a coach. What are some maybe initial thoughts or things we should be thinking about that might not be super obvious if we haven't brought on a coach before? Maybe some do's and don'ts or some like you know thoughts on this would be good for you if or this would not be good for you to bring on a coach if um, kind of thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I think is really helpful to think about is kind of your group practice niche area, right? Like adding coaching as a way to really solidify your niche area. Like you are the practice that specializes in blank, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so is there a current gap in any of the services that you provide that you think offering coaching might be a helpful way to, you know, hit 
people at a different kind of point in their journey, or if they need really targeted specific support in some way that um, therapy maybe wouldn't offer or wouldn't be typically in the scope of therapy that you could kind of layer on to your practice but with a coach. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's kind of like the first question I tend to talk with people about, right? Like how would it look? Um, how would it round out your practice to offer coaching? Like for example, um, you know, some folks I know who may be doing like a health uh, psychology practice where they're really helping people adjust to cope with chronic illness. And that's more of the kind of like therapy side of their practice. Um, you know, dealing with how that impacts relationships and coping with that, grieving the loss of different things, um, coping with that emotional experience. Um, but then they have a health coach who might help with some very specific targeted lifestyle changes um, or making healthier choices or kind of what are the things that are getting in the way of like executing a specific um, provider's plan for them. So like these different ways that you can kind of layer on coaching to really round out your practice. Um, or I know of another practice where, you know, you're offering therapy um, to folks who are maybe in a stressful work environment or in kind of a life transition, and maybe they would benefit from adding a career coach to their practice who could help people really hone in on their strengths, learn about negotiation, interview prep, resume prep, like targeted job searching. So I think the first step is kind of figuring out like, are there gaps in your practice? And how, how might you fill them with a coach? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then kind of the next step around like, okay, logistically, sort of what does that look like, right? So um, from the business side of things, thinking about, you know, requiring your coach to have their kind of separate liability insurance, which is different um, for, for coaches, um, especially for those who don't also carry a mental health license. Really getting clear on the scope of work you'd like for them, like how it complement the therapy practice, how they um, support the kind of therapeutic milieu of the practice, like just getting really clear on that scope of work for them so that you know how you're using them and they know how they're going to be most helpful. What about if you have a therapist a, a therapist who also wants to do coaching? How do you yeah. tease that apart? Because I can see with your previous statement, talking about making sure that the coach knows what their role is in your practice and what they're doing versus maybe what the therapists are doing. But what, ha what about if you have a therapist who wants to also do coaching? How do you tease that apart so that, um, that they're not bringing maybe one role into, you know, a, a, another role. Like if they're yeah. being a if they're a therapist to a client, maybe ensuring that they're not, um, well, I guess that wouldn't be as much of an issue, but it, I guess if they're doing coaching to not start bringing in, you know, therapy into the room, um, and, and that kind of thing, what do you, what do you say about that? Yeah. Great question. Um, I think there's like, two ways to think about this really. One is sort of like the kind of internal responsibility of the coach slash, ther coach slash therapist mm -hmm. to really understand kind of what hat they're wearing at what time. Um, so to me, um, you know, having the bulk of my training be therapy, it was really helpful to actually do a coach training program. Um, you don't have to certainly, um, but for me, it was really helpful to actually do training and coaching so that I had a very clear understanding of like how to conceptualize clients as a coach versus a therapist, right? Yep. How do I, um, structure my session differently? What do I talk about during a coaching session? What things do I hear about that maybe I don't ask about and don't go down the road 
with Mm -hmm. um, that I might in therapy. So kind of positioning my questions differently. So for me, like that part really came when I did my coach training and then actually started coaching so that I was really clear on like, what does this look like when I stay in my coach lane versus when I have like my therapist hat on? Yeah. Um, And I feel like as a group practice owner, you know, there's just, even if you have therapists only, there's so many things that you have to have in place, even though most therapists know how to provide therapy or should know how to provide therapy. There still ends up being so much work um, on the leadership team to ensure that people are following through just on what they should be doing and how they should be doing it as a therapist, you know, just ensuring that they're actually doing their notes well and that they're doing them on time and that, um, you know, checking and making sure that clients feel like the therapist is, you know, focused on them and not eating during sessions or not doing things that are distracting or whatever. So I feel like with coaching, I can see this being a little bit of an added um, obstacle for the group practice owner or leadership team if they're not also a coach in terms of, um, you know, putting things in place, policies in place, so that therapists who are also doing coaching um, feel like they're being supported and yeah, I guess supported mainly in, in really keeping those hats separate. You know, I, I get from a solo practitioner perspective, you know, all of the expectation is sort of self-imposed and they can, you know, follow the direction of, of coaching programs or not. Um, but I think when it comes to the group practice, you know, working in a group practice, it can be a little bit tricky as I'm listening to you. It sounds like there, there's got to be a good amount of um, policies and procedures, just like there are with your clinicians, but that focus on a coach-client uh, relationship as well. Yeah, I think for sure. And I think it's a really great, like very responsible question, right? To think about like, how, what is the integrity of your services and the practice that you run? Mm-hmm. Um, making sure people are doing what they say they're doing. Um, and I think if you're, if someone's going to be providing coaching, at least for an element of what they're doing, making sure that they're plugged into either having like a mentor coach or um, a coach consultation group so that they have someone to really plug in with and connect with for their kind of coaching support. And then really from like a marketing and contracting perspective, making sure that you're marketing it in a way where it's very clear um, what it is that they're doing and what they're not doing and kind of lifting out all of the mental health language. Um, I also talk with coaches who, or even group practice owners who are doing this is to make sure that it's clear in whatever contract or whatever paperwork materials that if you're getting services from the coach, like they are not, it's not an established mental health relationship. They're not providing mental health care. Um, so that just everyone has really clear expectations on what will be happening. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you mentioned, you hit something that I wanted to have you dig deeper on and is the marketing piece. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what are some of the best practices for marketing something that's completely new like coaching in a group practice if you are have been marketing therapy this whole time are there some tips or feedback that you have for group practice owners who are thinking about bringing on a coach and how they might market that yeah absolutely i think um so uh, there's definitely lots to say about this topic Mm -hmm. Um, one is that you want to make sure that you're taking off any like diagnosis-based language. So we're taking out words like anxiety or depression 
um, things like that, that would be very appropriate to have on your, you know, therapy marketing, but on your coach area in that kind of section of your website or your marketing materials or wherever it is that you're making sure that you're kind of lifting off all that language. And you're talking very specifically about what that person would be helping with. Right. So like if it's a career coach, you're helping the person, you know, find a career that they love or seek that next promotion or, um, negotiate for higher pay or prep for an interview. Um, if it's, you know, something where they're making very specific lifestyle changes. So we're taking out all of the language that would be around like coping, adjusting, um, any diagnostic language so that you're really thoughtful about how you convey what the coach will do, like that you're helping them with this very specific kind of targeted thing. Um, and on the coaching page, and this might be a stupid question, um, but I'm going to ask it for everyone because I'm sure there's someone that is thinking this. Um, if you are post, if you have a page dedicated to coaching and maybe one of, I keep going back to a therapist who's also doing coaching. So mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. I'm in this realm right now, but, and let's say you put Susie Smith, LCPC, who's all does therapy in my practice on our, our coaching page that has no mental health language, no diagnostic language in it. Um, but then we put, you know, Susie Smith on there. So they know this is who does blah, 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 career coaching. Are we leaving their license out of it then and just saying Susie Smith on this page and on the therapy bio page, Susie Smith, LCPC or whatever? So that's a great question. (laughs) There's kind of different schools of thought. No, it's a great question. I mean, people ask this a lot. I think like, and and even break it down more is like, can you, do you put your degree or do you put that you're a licensed provider, right? You know, kind of even more specifically. So I've seen people do different things with this. Um, I think the most conservative approach is to, you know, not discuss your licenses, but that you could put your degrees because that's part of your, you know, background in training and education. Uh Um, So I've seen that be kind of the most conservative approach. And then I've seen other folks who do list it, but write very clearly um, that if you're interested in these types of services, you go to this other page. And okay. here we're, we're kind of talking about this other way that the person helps. Um, so, you know, there, I don't know if there's like one perfect answer, but I think being really thoughtful about it um, is important. I, I actually do therapy and coaching at the moment, um, but the the coach language and kind of the road I'm walking people down is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, and I do have my degree. Um, but I just kind of briefly say that that sort of like informs how I think about, um, behavior change and then kind of move forward into more coaching language. That's sort of how I handle it. I feel like the longer you're in business, the more you realize that there's nothing is really black and white. Yeah. <laughs> and so this yeah. is one of those areas where you'll have, you know, a hundred people with a hundred different um, variations of an answer for this. So thank you for that, for your variation of that. I think that's, um, you know, I, I think I can see how any one of those options would be fine. Any one of those ways, as long as you're not being, you know, as long as you're at at minimum discerning what your role is in this category over, you know, the other category being a therapist. Um, But it's interesting because I see a lot of people asking questions about that and how rigid some people get in terms of just 
that, that they can't happen, you know, that they can't be together or that, you know, you can't have both roles within one practice or all the way to, you know, the other end of the spectrum. So it's nice to hear that there's a way to balance it out. Um, there's a way to have both coaching and counseling live under one roof. Um, and, and so it's really nice to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's so many different ways to take precautions, right? You could go on the side where it's the most conservative and it's different websites and you're, mm-hmm. you know, it's very different, or you could be kind of somewhere in the middle where it's maybe the same site, but it's very clearly laid out differently and you have different forms for different things. You know, I think as long as you're like very intentional, thoughtful, and kind of making sure that everyone's well-informed and that's clear, I mean, from a client perspective as well, like I think that that can be one of the most important things to be practicing in your like ethical domain. Yeah. Now, do you find as someone who does both that it's hard to stay in the coaching relationship if you're just doing coaching and not bring in your therapist hat? I'm thinking of it more from a, you know, a a leadership perspective and trusting, you know, a clinician in my practice who might be doing therapy with some clients and coaching with others is really being able to take the hat off, put the hat back on, um, and and not bring it in the room. Or is this also one of those scenarios where, um, there's a little bit of gray and it doesn't need to be so, you know, black and white. Yeah. I, so that's a, that's a really great question. I think that there's some conversation to be had or thoughtfulness around, like, do you want your coaching niche and your therapy niche to overlap or to be similar in some way? Or do you want them to be very different? Like for me, um, the the bulk of the coaching that I do is business based coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like I can wear a pretty different hat than um, when I'm doing therapy, which mostly I'm doing kind of anxiety related work or health related anxiety. That's kind of my niche in my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, I also structure my therapy clients where they're all on one day. Um, I have just kind of a small arm that's therapy so that I can just like Fridays are my therapy day. I'm doing therapy all day. I can kind of really like keep in that zone. Yes. Um, And then throughout the rest of the week. Yeah. Like for me, it just helped me like kind of keep it a little more separate in my brain. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Any, any don'ts for adding coaching? I don't know. I don't know if there are any don'ts, but are there any like, no nos or don't do this ifs that you have um if someone was thinking about adding coaching like i don't know if there would be you know i'm yeah. kind of asking this question off the cuff without thinking through but it i can't think of i can't think of one so i figured i don't know the expert here might know is there are there scenarios where it's just really not a great idea to bring on a coach um whether it's because of the business owner's frame of mind or where how they want to have their business um, is, is there any like points where you might think, you know, think twice before maybe adding coaching or you need to have, make sure that you're doing this and that before you start to add coaching into the mix? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I would want to be really, I would want to be very aware and make sure that the person is a, is a well-trained coach. Um, yeah. so- they're even personally clear on the differences between coaching and therapy so that um, the lines are so that you as a practice owner can be clear that those lines are not going to be blurred. Yeah. Which is an interesting point because a lot of people through practice owners bring on um, trainees as therapists. So that's something to think about is, you know, if you're a practice that 
has a lot of provisionally licensed people or people who, you know, are really under the direction of you or a supervisor in your practice who are, you know, kind of getting handheld through the process, um, that, you know, with bringing on coaching, you might have to look at it a little differently then and make sure that you're bringing someone on who's, um, I mean, unless you as a group practice owner is also a coach who can <laughs> coach yeah. the coach, um, that might be something to think about. That's a, I didn't think about that. Yeah. I think that would just be kind of helpful to, to make sure that everyone's like being supported and, um, doing the best that they can, um, in the particular environment. I think just another area where I sometimes see stuff kind of getting a little dicey is that, um, people are not always clear in distinguishing their messaging around coaching, mm-hmm. um, so that it sounds very therapy like, mm-hmm. um, so that I think from a client perspective, you can get a lot of confused clients, not being sure what they need, um, and not being sure what it is that they, um, are kind of being guided towards. So I think making sure that you're just really clear and differentiated in how you talk about and market the two, um, I think just keeps everyone clearer. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, any last pieces of feedback for people who are thinking of adding a coach or bringing a coach on maybe from, we didn't talk about this, but maybe this is how we can end it is, um, questions you might ask if you're interviewing someone for a coaching position, mm-hmm. obviously yeah. it's different than if you're, you know, at, interviewing therapists and, and most group practice owners here will have their slew of questions that they ask, but I, I'm guessing that it's a different way of uh, interviewing if you're bringing on a coach. Yeah. Yeah. I would want to talk to them about their training program, you know, if they're certified um, or not, kind of how they um, kind of (laughs) self-govern themselves with their certification and um, what trainings they've done. I'd also want to know a little bit more about how they think about their coaching clients. Like how do they create change with their coaching clients? What does that look like for them? you know, how might they collaborate with therapists so that their work can complement each other? You know, how do they think they may be able to collaborate with a therapist or um, work together in some way to do what's most helpful for the client? Um, And when have they referred to therapists in the past? What's been like some things that have worked really well for them when they've collaborated with therapists? Making sure that they even just have if this is also like asterisk, if they're not a therapist, um, you know, if they're, if their work is only coaching, um, to ask them really about like how they understand therapy and the Mm -hmm. role of therapy and how that creates change for people. Um, since I know, I think different coaching programs talk about that in very different ways. So just making sure that everyone's kind of on the same page about it, um, I think would be really helpful things to just really get to know um, the person's style a bit. That, that makes a lot of sense. Alyssa, thank you. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of mulling over after listening to this episode, especially for those that have been contemplating bringing on a coach. And I know that's something that gets brought up a lot. If people want to talk to you, work with you, get more support with you, how can they reach you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can. Um, everything's on my website at dralyssaadams.com. Alyssa, A-L-Y-S-S-A, right? Yep. And then another A, A-D. And then another A-D. Yep. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on and and talking about coaching. Absolutely. It was so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. You too. Thanks. Bye. Need a new accountant or bookkeeper? Meet Green Oak Accounting. They're an accounting firm that works specifically with mental health practices, both solo and group. 
and they do all of your accounting needs from budgeting to accounting to bookkeeping and payroll to building your dashboard. And on top of that, they can help you set up your Profit First systems. So if you're thinking of using Profit First or currently use them, go to Green Oak Accounting and check them out. You can check them out at www.greenoakaccounting.com. Mention the Group Practice Exchange and get $100 off your first month. Thanks for listening to the Group Practice Exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.